Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. We are back. We're in week eight in uh, in uh, in Sweden and in Norway. We are also in week sort of seven slash six. There's a lot of different uh, teams have played different amount of games, um, but it's good to be back on this week's show. Uh, free to all you listeners and subscribers. And as ever, I'm joined by my colleague and friend Steve Wiss. Steve, how are you today? Jonathan, I'm doing okay. I'm enjoying the sunshine here in Yorkshire. It's a great day. And uh, yes, there's been plenty of football in action here to really recap the uh, the May the 16th round in uh, in Norway. Yeah, Yorkshire, uh, son, I'm familiar with that at this moment in time, I have to say. Um, but uh, yeah, we, uh, we've had an interesting couple of weeks. Obviously, for those of you on Patreon who follow us, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast, where the weekend... Uh, preview show which we did and we had our, our predictions for the week we uh, hit two out of three again this week two correct predictions out of three and they were all in Norway this week uh, Steve came up with a, a trio of uh, tips for you and he's been successful in two out of three of them which is a decent effort to keep our uh, success rate above 65 percent roughly so Steve uh, well done on that but firstly and if you want to obviously tune in for the weekend shows and, and our, our betting previews 18 plus uh, go to patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. We are going to start in Norway this week, and then in part two, we will move to Sweden's Old Svenskan to catch up with everything that's been going on there. But uh, let's look at the latest round of fixtures in Elita Serien, round six, just taking place all on the Monday, the 16th of May, which, Steve, you're going to explain to us in a minute why it was uh, every single game was on that same day. But uh, I'll read out the scores quickly before we get into it. Uh, so we had Arlesen nil, Molde two, Gudeglin one, Tromsø one in the derby, uh, northern derby up there. Uh, nice point for Tromsø. Christiansen, my boys nil, Strumsgod set three. Christiansen having a terrible season so far, aren't they, the Owls? Uh, Lillestrøm one, Sarpsborg nil, Odd nil, Haugesen four. That's a big result. Rosenborg three, Sandefjord nil, Viking three, Jörv nil, and Warenga one, Hamkam one. Uh, Steve, firstly, yeah, tell us <clears throat> why all the games were on the same day, pretty much at the same time, yeah. uh, firstly, and then obviously sort of a top billing analysis of the, the latest round of results. What, what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, well, it's known as football day in Norway. It's kind of like the boxing day uh, round uh, over there. Their national day is, of course, the 17th of May. And I hope everyone uh, in Norway uh, listening had a fantastic uh, day of celebration of their for that day so it's a, a, a traditionally a massive footballing day is the 16th there was a lot of full houses i think uh, several venues got completely sold out and in addition it, obos had some big games as well bran bran had a good win i think that they they sold their stadium out and frederickstadt won as well uh, big uh, big fallen giant there they had nearly thirteen thousand in uh, for their match i think so it was a great footballing day the weather looked good as well up there and you know there were some definitely some surprise results. Some of the ones that were more expected that we'll go into soon. Um, but yeah, it, it was quite refreshing actually, Jonathan, to see everyone play on the same day. We don't get that enough uh, over in the UK here enough now. It's like there's, there's games on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, match of a day sometimes is like just two or three games now, isn't it? Over here in the UK, it, it's ridiculous. So it was it was refreshing to see everyone play on on the Monday. Yeah, it's like Craig David, isn't it? You know, had a game on Monday, had a game on Tuesday, had a game Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, chill on Sunday, chill on Sunday, whatever. But, uh, 
Yeah, no, I know what you see, mean, and it, like you said, it, it was a bit noteworthy just seeing all the games on, on one day, just one evening game, as you mentioned, which was the um, the Ham Cam game. Uh, the rest of them all played at the same kickoff time as well. So yeah, congratulations there, Football Day. Sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, the first talking point, I guess, really, um, the champions, Buda Glimp, not exactly going to plan for them this season, is it? They're now 10 points off the top of the table. I know they've got two games in hand on Viking, who are top uh, with 19 points, eight games played. Uh, but you've got Glimp there, six games played, nine points, two wins, three defeats, one, sorry, two wins, three draws, one defeat. Uh, not a good sort of time for it, is it? Just tell us about that 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 draw with Tromso and what's the latest at, at Buda Glimp? Yeah, this one surprised me, I've got to say. I was quite confident they would win this game because they are definitely a better side than Tromso, but very nearly lost to their northern rivals here. It took a 93rd minute equaliser from uh, an unusual uh, uh, culprit, uh, Joel Moshiga, who uh, we haven't really talked too much about on this Nordic football podcast, but they were very, very close to losing to Tromso. And um, I thought the visitors played very well. I've got to be honest, they had a good setup system. They were hard to break down. Glimp, they didn't allow Glimp to dominate the game and assert themselves on the fixture. And the Tromso goal was really well worked, actually. Nice nice ball into the box and converted by Vestalen. So but you've got to give credit to Tromso. They really were up for this uh, match. Um, Buda Glimp has had a full week of preparation, so there's no excuses in that department anymore here. Yes, Ulrich Soltnes was suspended for the second straight game. But apart from him and Ola Solbakken, there's not really any many others on the sidelines of significance. So they're starting to run out of excuses, Buda Glimt. But they do, I mean, you can count on one hand how many times they've lost at home in any competition in the last two, three years. Uh, we nearly had to add a notch to that, but they did. In the end, I think they'll be quite pleased to not to, not to lose to Tromso. And Tromso, whilst you say it was a good point, uh, I think they'll be quite gutted that they conceded so late. Yeah, as you mentioned, it's kind of a you know it's a derby game, isn't it? In, in the past, Tromso used to be the the bigger team, didn't mm-hmm. they? In, in this rivalry, Steve, they did. Uh, do you know what? For the first time, I'm starting to see. I think there's a really big target on the back of Budaglimt. Like they're now seen as the team to beat in Norway, and I think when they first started, you know, at that fantastic 2020 and the great defence of their crown last year, I think everyone kind of was enjoying their football in the country, quite liking the fact that a new team had come up there and challenged and, and actually was winning the title, apart from Tromso fans, that is. Um, but I've kind of noticed that it, certainly this season, I think every team now kind of treats them as one of the big boys, and you've got to. And there's such a big target on their back. They're the team to beat. They're the gold standard. And everyone wants to get a result against them, and um, it can happen, can't it? It happens to a lot of defending champions where... As I say, you've got this big target on your back. And um, for certainly for Tromso, they didn't need any added incentive. But they've probably been working out the whole off-season. How are we going to get a result against Buda Glimt? Lost their last five matches against them. They were bang up for it. And, you know, it could, you could tell. It was a local derby. Tromso are not a bad side either, in fairness. They do draw a lot of games. But uh, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned for Glimt. They didn't assert themselves how I thought they would. They had that great performance against Volarenga recently, but they haven't really kicked on from it. Yeah, and I have to say, it looked like a cracking atmosphere in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, nice goal across the face of the box, um, across across the edge of the box, face of the box for for Tromso. And then they went, their fans went mad, didn't they, when they oh, scored yeah. the away fans. And then, uh, like you say, a late goal, uh, lovely celebration 
from um, Magisha, as he mentioned, and uh, it's sort of a back, nice little backflip. And again, the fans, you know, in the home end were, were loving it, kind of like you said, uh, maybe one of those derbies that maybe for the bucket list, if you can make your way up to, up that far north in Norway, then uh, might be one to go and check out one day because there is a bit of an element of rivalry there. Like you said, um, maybe have a bit of a mar- uh, you know target on their back. They've not won now in the last three games, am I right in saying? And uh, how do you see uh, that sort of affecting their next coming the games? And you know, as we look towards the the um, you know the, mm. the middle part of the season, because to be honest, Steve, they are kind of they're playing catch up already, aren't they? Just even in the top three. Well, I think there's a midweek uh, cup round which they're, they're facing someone I've never heard of, Rana FK. So they should win that. Rana FK are nearly fifty to one to win that match. Um, but yeah, domestically they've now gone winless in four games if you also include the Norwegian Cup final now I think in the past we've had reasons for this um you know the schedule was was really adding up and, and, and all that lot but they had a full eight days to prepare for Tromso and um like I said I'm surprised I thought they would easily win this match but I think we have to actually have to credit Tromso for an excellent game plan that they had they fully deserved the point in my opinion and um you know for them it's a big positive for Buda Glimt, I'm starting to get a little bit concerned. I think their next match is against Hargus underway, and then they've got Strom's Godset home before Molder. So they need the six. They need six points out of those games, Jonathan. If they don't get six points out of those, and especially if they keep playing a bit average, then I think there's some alarm bells. Alarm bells, alarm bells, and uh, in your season preview uh, podcast, which you haven't, if you haven't listened to, go back on YouTube or, or back in our archives on. Spotify or iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, Steve, you had Trumzo in 14th. They're currently in ninth, which is a decent start to the season for them, I, I think I'm sure you'd like me to say. Um, just tell us, you know, how do you, you know, little word for them, because that's, like you said, it's a decent mm. result. Uh, they haven't had a too bad a start to the season, have they? If they had a good striker, I think they'd be even higher, because I think Moses Ebi has, has got a high XG this season. I'm not sure if he's even scored a goal, maybe one goal. So um, their system is is this three at the back still, three five two. It's quite versatile and fluid. I mean, I, I did have them, have them low in the season preview, but it, it doesn't shock me that they're doing okay at the moment. And there's a long way to go still. Um, there was a, you know, it's, it was, there's, a, there's a lot of teams that are very similar in this league. But so far, it's uh, they had a difficult start. They lost 5-2 at home to Sarpsborg, but they've really recovered well from that. They beat Valerenga at home and the, they drew it glimpse. So if they can kick on from that, then it's, it's definitely positive for, for Tromso. Brilliant. Great stuff there. Uh, thanks for reviewing that for us. Let's move on to the next sort of uh, uh, talking points in the games that we've had. And you'd like to sort of um, give a bit of shout out to Lillestrom. I mean, they're still unbeaten. Mm, they are. And do you know what? I mean, we had questions, I think, on the last podcast saying, or asking, um, are they legitimate? Are they going to keep with the pace? And I think we've seen in the last couple of rounds that they might well be. You know, they drew at Buda Glimt and then they've beaten Sarsborg 1-0. The sort of win that kind of title challenges produce, you know, where they were the better team, but they weren't significantly better. There were moments they had to defend really strong and they, they had to get the goal when it mattered and they kept the clean sheet. They have the best defence in the league with four goals conceded, they've they've actually played seven games as well. So, you know, that is impressive. And they face some good teams in that run, like Molde, Rudy Glimt already. 
it's very positive for Lidstrom. They've had a clean bill of health of late. They've not had many absences and they're making the most of it. And um, if they keep this up, I think they are a legitimate uh, a legitimate title force. You know, it's, it's very, very encouraging for them. Yeah, we did talk about them uh, last week, didn't we, and some of their sort of key players and, and, and things like that. So I suppose maybe this isn't isn't the time mm. to do that. Uh, obviously, as you've mentioned there, you know, they, they picked up a, a decent... A decent win this, this past weekend, just gone, um, beating Salzburg 1-0, goal from Ibrahimai. Uh, and as you say, unbeaten, they've played Glimt away as well, you know, Mulder away. So they've already racked up some tough fixtures, haven't they? Uh, next three games, Sanderfield away, uh, Wallerenga at home and Tromsø away. And I'm sure, and then they got lit uh, after the break in June, they've got Rosenborg at home. So I'm sure after this next three games, we'll really know um, if they are genuine title contenders. But uh, yeah, fair, fair play to them. And a word for the manager, uh, Steve. What, what are your thoughts on the manager and the job he's doing there? Great job since he took over. Um, with He's had two different systems uh, since he started uh, the job in the Obos. They're a great example, of, as we've said before, of a team coming down, rebuilding and coming back up. Uh, they kind of needed the relegation in a way. Uh, not that relegation is ever a, a good thing, but it can be a positive thing for some clubs. It makes them... You know reset and and they've kind of had this uh, rebirth almost and um they're, they're loving life again i do want a quick word on sarchborg actually because they have done they've impressed me under stefan billborn they're really good counter-attacking side they uh, he's got them really nicely well organized um when they win the ball and and they they get forward so quickly it reminds me of a lot of the hammerby days you know it really does and it didn't quite suit them this surf the grass surface doesn't suit them as much as artificial they look a handful to Sarpsborg, especially the happiest soak of possession, not have that much of the ball. And um, yeah, I think they're definitely a dark horse for top six this year, Sarpsborg. Fair play to Stefan Billboard and, and good job as well to gear back at, uh, at Lillestrom again. Another sort of uh, atmosphere, look quality in that game when they, when they scored their opening goal. So good times for Lillestrom and maybe a, a note to any teams who, who want to get relegated, you know, maybe as, as Meatman Soccer says, going down can can cleanse you. Uh, so shout out to Leeds United, uh, Burnley <laughs> or Everton. And maybe it could be a good thing in the long term. Uh, let's move on uh, to Viking. They are also doing quite well. Uh, well, very well, top of the league um, and had a decent win this past week, didn't they? Yeah, I'm just trying to make, my, make myself feel better this week, eh, Jonathan, just in case the worst <laughs> happens on Sunday. Relegation is good, says me myself. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm in cloud cuckoo land at times, there, aren't I? But, um, but to, to be fair to you, I mean, I know, I'm, I know we're joking, but you do make a, a fair point because uh, I remember Lilliston back in the days; they were sort of surviving, but they, mm. they were pretty woeful, weren't they? Um, and like you said, they've come back, come down, come back up again, and and they look really fresh now. Yeah, right? so uh, it happened. Yeah, I, think, I know I'm sort of joking yeah. a little bit with you, there, but I do think you make a decent point. Aston Villa, I think, was a good example recently in the Premier League. It may well be. If say Everton went down or Burnley, they've kind of been sliding for a while, haven't they? So, um, but yeah, it can it can be not the worst thing. But moving on to yeah, Viking are still top, uh, six wins out of eight, just one loss. They they were made to really fight hard though against Yerv, you know. Uh, it's three nil, but this didn't really depict the fight that Yerv showed. Um, at, for a good first half, Yerv were well in this game. They actually had chances to even take the lead. They were reduced to ten men. Played with ten men for the last, I think, hour of the match, and the only the breakthrough only came from a penalty, which I thought was soft. 
I'm not sure it was a penalty. There's been a few dubious penalties recently in Norway. There's been a lot of um, kind of uh, question. Oh, we need VAR. We need VAR. It was a dubious one. I've, I've actually been quite impressed with Jörv. I've got to be honest. They are giving it absolutely everything. And even in the matches they're losing, it's it, they're putting up a great fight. And this on another day, they might have been able to hold out even for a nil-nil or, or even take the lead. So, yeah, Viking, I mean, fair play to them. They got the job done. They had to do what they had to do in the end. And um, that is, that's the sign of kind of a title challenging side as well. It's really interesting that these two sides, Viking, Lillestrom, are throwing kind of not a spanner into the works, but they um putting the cat amongst the pigeons, aren't they? We didn't expect these two to be quite firing like they are right now. And uh, but they really the Viking are definitely keen to stay top and in that hunt. In your opinion, when it comes to Jerv, Jerv, sorry, what mm -hmm. um what have they done well, if you know what I mean? Because you know, sometimes you get teams that come up who are maybe like you said, a bit of a maybe a Burnley. You get teams who are maybe a bit more expansive, progressive, and not no disrespect to Burnley in terms of the style. I quite like the way they go about things. To be fair, but you know, you have different styles of teams, don't you? When they when they come up and it's all against the odds, you know, like a Brentford. What 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 are Yerv doing quite well so far this season, in your opinion? Well, they're they're really together as a unit. They do remind me a little bit of what Runheim were in their foot. Runheim came up. Everyone said they're going to finish bottom, and they finished about six or something. It was ridiculous. Um, in that first, and then the second season they went down. But um, yeah, do remind me a lot of their togetherness. Uh, they're a great unit. It's like us against the world sort of thing, and they're a physical side. They they're happy. They're easily happy to get stuck in and make life difficult. Their home ground. I don't, no one's going to want to go there. It's like, I mean, think of like the, the worst stadium in the top two divisions in England or somewhere. I'm trying to think of a comparison. I didn't allude the Kenilworth Road, maybe, where you have to, in the away end, you have to go through someone's house, things like that, or what Stoke were on a Monday night sort of thing. It's a horrible place to go. And, and I think they're going to make the most of their home advantage. But I think they're going to get a result on the, on the road soon as well, Jonathan. Like they've lost all three, but they've faced some good teams. And sooner or later, they're going to surprise someone on their own patch. They're just so determined. And how long you can keep that up for, you know, second half of the season might be difficult but right now they're just like beavers um fighting like beavers and um the goalkeeper probably the most impressive player for me has been the goalkeeper though always saying right or ret right i think how you pronounce him uh he looks definitely elite area level and uh no doubt about it he could do a job for a lot of teams but there's several others that are getting uh, stuck in and um they just look a great overall team unit you cannot money can buy you a lot of things in football but you cannot buy team spirit and stuff like that yeah, Kenilworth Road, walking through the houses. I've been there. It's an interesting experience for sure. Uh, so, no, good stuff. Fair play to fair play to Yerv. And, and it seems like they're doing fairly well. Um, you know, like, like you say, though, it was a tough, tough result for them. You know, Viking are, are looking good, aren't they? Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to move on, if you had any any further comments on that. But Yeah, I quite like Luton's ground, actually, by the way. I've been there a few times. And it's um, old school. I like it. I mean, it's kind of the same with Yerv, really. It's like... There's something about them, those sort of places that, um, yeah, those who, if you like your football, there's, uh, there's they have a lot of history, and uh, I like that sort of stuff. But yeah, we can move on and uh, probably to the, towards the bottom of the table, Jonathan, if you don't mind. Indeed, let's do that. So, uh, well done to Viking, obviously, top of the table, 19 points. Uh, Lillestrom do have a game in hand on them, but you know, if they if Lillestrom fail to win that, then Viking will continue to be top. So, you know, really great start to the season for them. Uh, 
Major trouble, though, mm. for the team that we mentioned earlier, my boys. You know, I don't know if I've put some sort of jinx on them, but uh, to be fair, I've been supporting them. Well, not supporting them really, but I've been I've been keeping an eye out for them for the last two, three years, and they've been doing well. So it just seems like it's hit the rocks a little bit this season. It's the bottom of the table. I mean, what is going on? They are well adrift of it at the moment. One point from their six games so far. I think what pisses me off the most is I didn't forecast this. Like, if I had... Um predicted them to struggle i'd be probably quite enjoying their demise <laughs> but not like you to enjoy christiansen uh, i have some sympathy <laughs> because it look they've had a great run in the elite series in the last few years they've never even really flirted with relegation right they've done brilliantly if they went down this season like this i think it would be quite sad like there's some teams that are always down there in, in whatever league across the world and, you, and you're like yeah that was coming their way. They deserved it. You can't keep being in the, in the in the relegation battle every year without eventually going down. But this feels wrong almost. Like, Christians are better than this. They deserve... If this is to be, say, a relegation season, it just yeah, this feels wrong, Jonathan. Now they've... I mean, they've had bad results, but they've got bad injuries in defence as well. I think they've got about five or six defenders ruled out. They've brought in two new players. Uh, one of them's already injured, so... That isn't good. Um, I don't know. When you're losing at home to Strom's Godset 3-0 is a big concern, in my opinion. Godset are not good travellers. They're in much better form now, I must say. Godset, fair play to them there. But, I mean, I looked at the XG for this game. It was something like 0.75 versus 2.2. That's a shellacking, isn't it? Like the, You can't argue against that. And um, it's for me, that's probably the most concerning result. Like Some of the other ones have been bad, but I don't know how Christiansen sort this out. Like they just don't they're not showing anything and they've still got some really tough teams to face soon. Um yeah, I mean you me- you mentioned it's sort of um it's all going wrong for them and mm. it's, it's a bit unexpected. Is it just because of the injuries or was their recruitment quite poor in the winter just gone as well? I think if you look at the last three or four years, we've often said, or I have often said, that the squad shouldn't be doing as well as it has been. So you could say they've overachieved and it's kind of masked the quality of the squad. Maybe in certain years, like Pellegrino had a fantastic season for them, didn't he? Maybe some certain individuals have managed to carry them over the line. The goalkeeper last year at McDermott had a great year. So it might, it might be just kind of a natural regression, but not this far. But, I mean, I'm just looking at their fixtures now. They've got Molder, uh, Tromso and Sanderfield, and then Glimt, Rosenborg, Lillestrom, Volarenge, Viking. I mean, I just don't see where the points are coming from, Jonathan. They're going to be bottom at the halfway stage of the season. I just don't see how they're not. And they're going to have to really recruit well in that summer transfer window. Otherwise, they'll be going down to the Obosley again, in my opinion, because a lot of the teams they've faced already have been uh, the teams that you'd expect down there. If there's one or two players that could keep them up this season, you know, if there's any shining lights that they could look to and say, He's the man that's going to help us stay in this division or help us get out of this run of form. Who would you pinpoint as maybe you know a couple of key players? And if 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 like you said they need to recruit, where would you be looking? I mean, what are there any players they could pick up? Are there any positions that you really feel they need to improve? Just give us an overview of their squad and who's going to get them out of this. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously the defense that just needs to get fit again. I don't know what the, some of the injury statuses are. Maybe after this June mini break, they can get players back fit. The, the attack needs to perhaps carry them. And I'm talking like Turgo Yurtsen, Agon Mokoli, perhaps 
Moses Mora. But I also want to see some more consistency in midfield, Jonathan. Uh, the, the, the coach has kind of gotten away with this for several years now. This rotation system he has in the middle of the park where you, there's never the same three seem to play with each other. Just Amidou uh, Diop, Mido Diop is the only real regular. So I think they need to, he needs to get more, more consistency in that middle of the park. But yeah, you're looking at Yurtz and Diop and possibly McCauley to step up uh, for them. They need to, if they can't, they can't, they can't stop conceding goals right now. So we need to start scoring them. And uh, so the offence needs to really uh, help them out. Brilliant stuff. Good analysis there of uh, Christiansen and where their problems are. Uh, yeah, it's not been a great season for them at all. I mean, you know, I talk about me jinxing them, but you, you've predicted them to finish ninth. So mm. I think every single season in the past three years, you've had them near the bottom. And that was part of the reason I started to support them because they, they kept giving you a bit of a kick in the face. <laughs> so... Maybe your kindness to them has actually had a bit of a reverse psychology on them. Um, <laughs> but fair play, you know, yeah, tough times for Christiansen. And um, it's, it's a long way back from here, isn't it? I mean, a couple of wins and they could get out of But like you said, they've played a lot of the lower-placed teams already. So it's not great. I mean, one place above them before we end part one is odd. Uh, they are second from bottom in this league. Six points. Um, so they're level with Sanderfield and Haugus and just lower goal difference. Um, but Steve, it's not going so well for them, is it? No, it's not going very well for Odd, and I, I'm starting to get concerned for them because pre-season there was a lot of good vibes surrounding this club. The new manager Paco Janssen uh, comes fairly highly rated, and um, you know they won two of the first three. They didn't look too bad, but since then it's just gone all downhill. They've uh, lost, I think, four games in a row now, and most recently four nil at home. Four nil is home to Chris, to Hargesund, and we all know how bad Hargesund have been. And they lost their first five. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe the one excuse they've got is that they, this came, I think, just four days after losing at Mulder 3-0 where they had 10 men. But I think there's some concerns. The goalkeeper's been probably the best player, uh, Leopold Wallstedt, who, and he's made, if he if he hadn't made so many good saves this year, it might be even worse for them. I can't put my finger on what is going wrong, but they cannot argue with the recent results. And... Um, I've got this team wrong. I've got to be honest. a lot of the time I've predicted them in articles and videos to do well to win matches. They even cost me a few a few quid actually. I mean, they, they won me a few quid as well um, uh, in the uh, early days of the season. But uh, I don't know. I think it's um, a bit of a, a little bit of a mystery. But their underlying stats and metrics are not that great. Do you think they can keep uh, Leopold Balchter because he will, he's in your tent to watch? Uh, if you haven't checked it out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast, Elite Serian and Osvenskan Center Watches are both on there in video format for you to digest. Uh, Leopold Walshet was in your tent to watch, a 22 year old goalkeeper at Odu. You really bigged up, and to be fair, he's, he's looked good this season. I, I, you know, I like what I've seen of him. Do you think they can keep him, and how important is he to this odd side? And who, maybe who else, you know, who else is the, the key man for them? Well, the backup goalkeeper, Sandro Rosbach, is not too bad in fairness. But um, this was the first match I think Valstead had a poor game this year. I almost felt like, do you ever get uh, goalkeepers that are doing so well and they kind of keep their team in matches and they earn them points or they're just being completely overworked and then eventually it comes to a match where they just can't do it, they can't perform and they just become kind of this average goalkeeper. And that's what happened against Hargesund. You know, I think he might look back at that and think I could maybe could have prevented a couple of them goals. But there's too much pressure being applied to him. 
and um, they need to. The defense needs to step up. There's enough experience here at odd. They've hardly had an injury all season, so there's no no excuses there whatsoever. Um, and the defense, I think, needs they need to sort the left back situation out. Who they're going to start there? John Kitalano or Joseph Bakai? They need to get that sorted. And you know, in the middle of the park, I think guys like Joshua Kitalano and Jorgensen need to start improving as well. So the whole team needs to pull itself together. Maybe the manager needs to look at the formation, which is for five four one at times. It's a bit negative. Maybe he needs to change things up. So I'm for the first time I'm starting to get a little bit concerned for Odd. I must say they've got Yerv away next. I just think that's a horrible time to face Yerv, and I could see him losing that. Yeah, it's a, it's a learning curve for them as well, isn't it? Um, teams like Odd, when you know they have big uh, sorry uh, for goalkeepers, I mean like Wildstead, you know when they're quite young. Like you say, sometimes they're doing so well and then they can have a dip in it. Concentration is a big part of being a goalkeeper, isn't it? So I suppose um, yeah. you'd probably make a fair point there. I mean, you've got odds finishing eighth, so let's see if they can improve rapidly um, from your pre-season preview. But who, the team who currently is in eighth, before we wrap up part one, is Rosenborg. Now, I know you fancy them to have a decent season so far. No concerns for you at the moment? Is it just a case of getting in the swing of things? Uh, what's your just thoughts on them? Obviously, they're big boys in this league. A lot of listeners are fans of the Rosenborg. Just want to know what your, your general thoughts. I mean, they're only one point off four. Yeah, and there's just been a question live on air has uh, been put in on Rosenborg, actually. So I'll answer that now. There's one other question which I'll come to as well before the end of this section. But it comes from Rasmus Anker. Um, he asks, will Rosenborg be able to regain superiority in Norway when Buda Glimpse Academy work, is working as well as it is? And which approach would be the fastest for Rosenborg to gain traction? Academy focus or stats-based recruitment or other? <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of questions in one. Good questions. Um, yeah, they are a bit behind some 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 of the clubs in Norway right now. They are. Uh, Glimt, uh, Mulder, even like Lillestrøm and Viking seem in a better shape right now. It comes down for me, look at their manager search in the winter. I think Chetil Rekdal was like fourth or fifth choice. Now, it never bodes well with me when you, when you get someone who wasn't that high on your shortlist and I like Rec down in a lot of ways. You've got to respect him, man. He's over 100 caps for his country, disciplined, organised, and I think they'll do all right this year, Andrew. I actually do. Give him a whole season. Be patient with him. I think they might. They'll, they should finish probably top four, uh, maybe even higher. Um, mentally strong. But if they really want to sort of move to the next level again, I think they need a sort of really modern thinking coach like a, you know, like a Knudsen or, um, you know, in terms of the academy, probably not enough youngsters have come through their system compared to what they used to be at Rosenborg. So uh, the, the academy is a more longer-term thing. That needs to be sorted out. In terms of more short-term, yes, recruitment perhaps does need to be looked at. There's been some signs of improvement with recruitment, like Borkite has, uh, looks quite a good signing. Samuel Rogers um, seems decent enough. You know, back end of last season, Vecchia. So I think there are some, some small signs of, well, more than small signs, reasonably decent signs of recovery for Rosenborg, but they really slipped into a hole in that sort of Eric Horniland era and they're still trying to drag them the way out of that hole. Yeah, thanks so much to the, for your question uh, on that. It's a great question, actually, to be fair. Rasmus Anker, at Anker underscore 17. And, yeah, I mean, my perspective was, I think they had to they have a sporting director, Mikhail Dawson, who's Swedish, isn't it? And they, they have had a very sort of Swedish-focused recruitment uh, drive, in my opinion, uh, the likes of as you said, Vecchia, who was a serious. Uh, they had um, 
Islamovic, isn't he? He's gone to South Korea now, I believe. Uh, Dino Islamovic. So players like that who came from Ostersund. So, yeah, it's a strange one. They do seem to look at that Swedish market. And uh, are they really getting the best players from Sweden? I'm not sure. Good question to maybe consider. But hopefully that answers your question, Rasmus. And please, you know, in future weeks, feel free to ask us anything you like. And hopefully that answers your question. That'll do for part one. There is one more question. Oh, yeah, no, no. Yeah, actually, we have, a, we have a, another question, which I'll just read out for you anyway. Yes. Um, it's a great question. And uh, we retweeted it even, didn't we? Soccer Q Ash, I believe you're, you're refer referencing. Yes. Uh, it says, why are the Norwegian leagues so inconsistent that they make me want to punch babies? So, uh, fair enough. I mean, well, first thing to say is, you know, the Nordic Football Podcast advice is uh, say no to punching babies. You know, keep, keep, um, keep punch bags strictly for the gym. But uh, Steve, what are your thoughts on that? Because it's a good question. You know, we, we've been trying to tip this league this season and it's been hard, hasn't it? You've commented often on these sort of crazy results we're seeing. Yes, I, I've had a few uh, interactions with uh, this particular tweeter, Soccer Q Ash. Thank you very much, Ashley, for your question. Um, she is a, uh, a, a, a professional gambler, actually. And I think, uh, like me, has been quite frustrated with the with the league. I, I mean, I've said before how random a lot of the results have been this season, certainly Elitis Arian. I think Obos seems a little bit more predictable uh, from what I've seen. But um, it's just this early season um, issues, uh, randomness. I, I don't know. I, I just can't get a real good hold on certain teams, Jonathan, at the moment. It's very tricky. Um, and really the only thing to do I think is to stay patient and maybe be quite selective with 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 picks but I know not just in terms of results but goals and both teams to score it's not always been happening a lot of people come to Norway for goals and BTTS a lot so uh, I think you just got to hang in there Ashley and um, and maybe even avoid the league for a bit if you if you really must uh, we don't want you getting too angry uh, about uh, elite Syrian football it will come good though this league will always come good and there'll be teams that uh, become very backable, for sure. Great question, Soccer Q Ash. Thank you very much. And do um, keep keep your eyes peeled on the Nordic Football Podcast Twitter at Nordic Footpod, where you can ask your questions every week and we will answer as many as we can. Steve, we've got actually a couple more questions. You're a popular man this week. <laughs> uh, we've got at Remco B4 asked, uh, what's wrong with Odd, which we've answered already. Uh, so Remco B, thank you so much. This is another one live on there as we as we go. Live. What's wrong with Odd? It's not even. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> clever, clever answer there, and um, yeah, going. definitely not even. And hopefully we've answered that as well. Uh, Remco is based in in Oslo, uh, in Norway, and uh, is a fan of Willem Twee and Red Sox, and is a new fan of Elite Serien. So welcome. Um, hopefully you will be joining us and listening to the show as we go along in the weeks. Uh, so thanks a lot for that question. Hopefully, like we said, we've answered it. And then finally, one from at FootCalc, which is a really great uh, resource actually on Twitter, um, which is sort of calculating UA for uh, coefficient points. So definitely worth a, a little follow, actually. Um, you know, have a little look at them. And I don't need to answer it, take too long to answer this, Steve, because we do need to wrap up part one. But just briefly, since we've caught it on air, um, he says, Haugerson went back to 4-4-2 after their horrible start to the season. Have they found the key to success? And then the second part of his question, if they beat Glimt this weekend, do you think they will keep their form and fight for a conference league spot? So um, briefly thoughts on Haugerson there from Foot If Haugerson qualify for the conference league, I'll I'll do any sort of forfeit you want. Vegan? No, no way. No way will they. 
challenge for Europe. The only way they'll get that done is if they win the Norwegian Cup at the end of the year. That's <laughs> not going to happen. But um, I actually think the key is to this. The goalkeeper's played well, Egil Selvig. I think he's come really good the last two games. Uh, not just him, but um, just... I'm, I'm quite impressed with Hygerson, actually. You lose five games in a row, you've got to have some strong mentality to come back and win two in a row, haven't you? So, um, fair play to them. I think the manager's made some good changes. And the, but crucially, the players have stepped up as well. They've, they've, they've believed in themselves. And um, ultimately, you can be as good a coach as you want. The players have got performed beyond the field and they have definitely improved a lot the last two games. Great stuff. Yeah. And like you say, you do need, um, <clears throat> you know, manager, the players need to buy into managers' ideas, don't they? And who knows if, if they can beat Glimp, that is their next game. We'll see how it goes. Glimp not having the greatest of time, as you've said. Everybody's cup final. And then in the game after that, they've got Rosenberg away. So big two games for Halgerson. Uh, not sure about the conference league, as you've said there, but you know we can definitely hold you to that vegan challenge if they do get it. So. Who said vegan? I said any forfeit. It didn't have to be vegan. <laughs> I'm naming it a forfeit. <laughs> so, yeah. No, thanks a lot, Atful Cup, for your questions as well. Really appreciate your, your tweets on the coefficient points. Uh, they can be quite helpful as well, sometimes for us, when we're trying to uh, calculate what's going on in the in the qualification spots. That'll be it for part one. <clears throat> you can find us on Twitter at NordicFootPod. Uh, and coming up in part two, we will look at everything all Svenskan. Um, so tune in after this short break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm with Jonathan Fadukberg. Jonathan, so Sweden, Ausvenskan. We are now, well, there's two teams that have played nine matches. We're nearly a third of the way through the campaign. And uh, at the moment, it's IECOR top of the division. There's been some interesting results recently, not least their most recent match, three all against Hammerby in a, in a wild, wild Stockholm derby. Yeah, it's all kicking off in, in Sweden. I have to say that I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying the season so far. I, mean, I know uh, in pre-season I did say to you, Steve, that and there's, I even cast doubts on the future of this podcast saying, you know, is, is Sweden getting a bit stale? Um, but it's come back with a bang, I have to say. Uh, this is probably the most enjoyable season I've seen for quite a while. I don't, I don't exactly know why, because there's so much talent left the league uh, in the winter window that I, I was a bit gloomy about the, the season to come. But, you know, when old leaves fall, new leaves spring and some new players have come up, uh, some new teams, um, some new managers. And it's definitely adding a lot of flavour and spice to, to this league, I have to say. Um, first game that we're going to talk about, of course, is that uh, that Stockholm derby, Hammerby, AIK. And I have to say, it was probably the best uh, Stockholm derby I've seen in my time covering this league. Three all, uh, a crazy match. Uh, you know, usually it's very cagey. Usually you kind of don't have much to talk about. You might have one goal and a little bit of controversy, but this game was on fire. Um, goals from Mahana Yeh, Gustav Ludvigsen, Nahir Basara, two from Nabil Bahui and uh, one from Seb Larsson from the penalty spot. Uh, there was also a penalty missed, uh, three all. It literally had everything. Janosovic made a save from, from Bojanic. Um, this game had it all and it was a brilliant, brilliant match. A lot of controversy, I have to say, but uh, all in all, th thoroughly enjoyable game. Doesn't do much for either side's title credentials, really, you know, in terms of the draw. 
but it keeps them both top two of the league. Um, obviously, AIK mm. has got their noses in front with a game played extra, and Hammerby are currently second uh, with 17 points. Yeah, I'm really pleased that you're enjoying the season because, I mean, pre-season, you know, I've seen more hope and life in a twisted Dementor or something, <laughs> you know, to quote Harry Potter there. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I think it's a good result, actually, for AIK. They've... Um, <laughs> Away from home, they they've got issues, and I think that's a good draw for them. Um, so, I mean, it's not too bad for Hammerby either, really. Although they are winless now in three fixtures. Um, controversy, you said. I mean, naturally goes with Stockholm derbies, doesn't it? But was there anything that kind of really stuck out to you in that way? Yeah, you say you uh, you see more life uh, and hope in the <laughs> in that. In the Harry Potter reference, I, I was thinking there's about as much hope in life as the, one of your tweets about Ajaccio I saw this weekend. Wait. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not again. You praised them for getting promoted. It was probably the most <laughs> negative tweet I've ever, ever seen in my life. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I, got, I was doing a, um, a video just this morning and I had to mention Ajaccio. And the host <laughs> reminded me, uh, I better not go to Corsica because I might get gunned down. I've never, I've never seen anything. I've never seen anyone. I've never, the term damn with faint praise has never been more relevant than that. So. Negative tweet that you put out about the worst ever team you've seen. But yeah, moving on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like it's, like you say, I was a bit down on the league and um, wor- wondering where the quality would come from. But we've seen a lot. Uh, but yeah, in terms of controversy, ARK were fuming off after this derby, absolutely raging. Um, he came out. Alexander Milosevic came out and said, "I don't know how football can even be played here." Um, Papadopoulos came out and said, "You know, this is below all Svenskan level in terms of the quality of the refereeing." Um, the pitch as well got got ridiculed. Uh, you know, again, he said, you know, that they're talking about the, how football can be played here. You know, he said, uh, the art, you know, he said that the artificial turf at Grimstow is better than the grass here. Uh, complete disaster and the worst pitch I've ever been on, he said, to be completely honest. Uh, that two teams from Stockholm have to play on this pitch is chaos. Um, so many have complained about the Friends Arena, but this is much, much worse. Uh, you know, there's all kind. Of, Milosevic as well said, you know, I can accept artificial turf, and I, but stepping out on something like this, a concrete mat, he described it as, uh, is a disaster. So there was that. That's part one of the controversy. Um, the other controversy was about VAR potentially. Uh, there was a goal. Uh, Ludvigsen's goal looked clearly offside to me. I have to say, it's the first time I've ever thought in my life uh, I wish we had VAR um, because, in fairness to me, it looked. I mean, if that was in the Premier League, you know. I've seen offsides given in the Premier League that are uh, nowhere near where uh, Ludwigsen's positioning was. You know, you know, in the Premier League, obviously, you, you, you've got like maybe someone's whisker is, is like half, a tiny bit of their moustaches is a little bit on, offside, um, and they give it, particularly for certain teams. But um, th- this one was like he looked he looked well off, I have to say, um, and it made me think. You know, I think VAR for offside it is reasonable, um, and. I don't really like it for penalty shouts, but I think for, for offsides, you, it's kind of more or less, as long as you determine the criteria, you know, you do nine times out of 10, get the, the right decision. Um, but yeah, there's a lot, you know, a lot of, the, like I say, there's a lot of penalties and, and um, you know, there's just all sorts went on really, uh, Steve, it, it got very ugly, but I have to say, you also have to focus on some of the quality. Basara's free kick was a spectacular goal. Um, a lot of quality on show from both sides, I thought, but who he looked good. He looked really sharp. Um, and it, all in all, it was a thoroughly enjoyable game, really. Yeah, and the end result is that, uh, it's, uh, say, they're both uh, in the top two in the table. We have to talk about, an, um, well, a shock result 
I mean, Malmo losing 4-0 against your garden. I, I, I can never remember Malmo losing by such a big margin since we've covered, the, since we started the Nordic Football Podcast, Jonathan. I might be wrong there. Maybe a, a last game of the season or something, but 4-0 against your garden. I mean, what on earth is going on there for Malmo? Great result for Diff. Kind of out of nowhere, but I mean, what is your take on this? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to come back to the uh, Stockholm Diamond bit with just a couple of stats, but um, this this game was catastrophic. I have to say, I didn't see it. Uh, I didn't actually watch the match, but I've seen sort of the highlights since and that kind of thing. Um, the biggest problem for Malmo at this moment in time is the team sheet. As soon as I saw that team sheet, I think I even saw a tweet from somebody replying to the, the, the team sheet saying, this is the weakest Malmo I've ever seen. Um, I think it was a fan that just tweeted something like that. And when you looked at that team sheet, the, the amount of players they are missing, you know, no, no Keith Tellin, no Christiansen. Uh, they've got so many injuries. I, I, I said it uh, about two weeks ago, didn't Steve? I said, I called them muscle injury M- uh, FF instead of Malmo FF. <laughs> and that's kind of how it's gone. You know, there was no, um, Darlene was out, obviously Diawara had to play. And, and to be fair, I like Diawara. I think we talked about him last week, but, you know, the front three, Steve, were the pr- pretty much third choice. They had Romain Gaul. Where's he disappeared to? You know, we've not seen him for how many years was it that we talked about Romain Gaul? At least three, four years that we were talking about him. You know, yeah, he's back. So, yeah. Obviously, he's been out on loan in places like Orlebro and and um, not really sort of pulled many trees up. You know, he was supposed to be a big signing for Malmo and did quite well at the beginning. But, you know, to see him back was kind of just summed up the, the level of the injuries. Uh, they had Abu Bakari, and then they had Patriot Sajiju um, up front. So they really, you know, they really kind of had so many injuries in this game that there's a little bit of mitigating circumstances, I think. But at the same time, you can't rule out the fact that they just they fell apart. They goals from uh, Chalus' own goal. You know, he's a new player for them, come from uh, come from Czech Republic, uh, and he's having not the greatest of time of it, really. But Berman Savic was ill this weekend. Lassa Nielsen was ill. Um so, yeah, Ekdal, uh, Heen and Asoro, uh, who Asoro said he might be might be now known as the uh, Osvenskan Steve Okarigi, he's, he's commented saying after that game, came off and had a, uh, came on and had an, a really big impact. Uh, I don't know why he'd want to be. Yeah, he scored incredibly. I mean, he misses yeah. so many chances, but he scored fair play. With him. Yeah, yeah. He's a, I mean, he's a decent player, but <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. I'd like to see a lot more from him. Um, but yeah, just to read out the man my lineup, just so we get a, a sense of the, the level of injuries. They're Dewar in goal, Bejimo Larson, Chalus Olsen, Nanasi, Racket, Penna, Sejdu, Abubakari, goal. You know, that is just ridiculous the amount of injuries they have. Uh, Keith Atelier was on the bench, but probably not fit enough, I guess. Joey Ingeberget came on, but again, probably fitness issues. The youngster, Hugo Larson, 17, had to come on again. To be fair, I do like Hugo Larson. I think he's looked very bright. But if you're if you've got a 17 year old, that's pretty much if, you know you started against Mialbi. Um, you know you're having to rely on a 17 year old in his first sort of uh, debut season, it just shows you that it's tough times for Malmo. And there are worrying signs. In the fifth at the moment, they've also played a game more than most teams around them. Um, you know they've got Hammerby have a game in hand of them and are two points ahead of them, for example. And and, and obviously they're four points behind Aik. You could never write off Malmo, Steve, because the summer window. Always, the top teams will lose players. Malmo will have the money to go out and buy players, so you could never write them off. But this is a, a not the greatest of start for the ND manager, I have to say. If if you lose a match four nil and you're the Malmo manager, 
if you have so many injuries and you're the Malmo manager, there's going to be questions poked at you quite hard, surely. Oh yeah, I mean they've been you know hugely criticised in the from the fans after this. You know, so it's it's like an unacceptable result. Really, this is a bit like um, you know Bayern Munich losing four 0 mm. to I don't know Greuther Firth or someone like that. <laughs> well, actually, no, this that's a bit, that's probably a bit disrespectful to Biff, but. You know what I mean? They're not expected to lose 4-0 to anybody. It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. You could say Leverkusen, whoever. I'm not, you know, I'm not I'm not talking about Gilgan there. I'm just talking about in terms of Malmo are not expected to lose 4-0 to anyone. You know, they're they're considered to be they consider themselves better than everybody. Um I have to say, you know, we've had a few tweets in recent weeks, like when we've been I've been live reporting on this uh, on Twitter at times at Nordic Football. And I've commented at times saying that Malmo aren't playing well and people have come back and tweeted me match stats and saying, Oh, well, they've had 10 shots or whatever. But honestly. I kind of, I'm not saying I saw this coming, but this has kind of been in the pipeline, really. Like Malmo have not been, I don't think they've been playing very well. People can point to the stats for this, stats for that, but they've not been, they've really not been looking that great. Even against Miami, they kind of got over the line. They were the much better team, but it's not giving me the vibes of like a proper Malmo side where they're, you know, strong, just unbeatable. Um, the the sporting director, Andreas Georgsen, uh, formerly of Arsenal, of course, he came out afterwards and said, you know, we can't get away from the fact that we've had so many injuries. Uh, at the moment, it's an extreme period for us, you know, and it's extreme in the amount of mistakes uh, and the margins going against us as well. We need to get players back. Uh, and I think we have, when we've had times to rotate, we need to keep a better level. So, you know, I don't think there's any pressure on the manager. I think that is very early. Um, he said there's no need for crisis at the moment. There's no crisis plans. Um, but he said we have a very experienced medical team that will work with players to hopefully have as many as possible again uh, available soon. So when such things happen, it, people always look for scapegoats and look for solution, quick solutions. But the most important thing for us is to be a bit calm and keep a cool head, um, be self-critical, but also have a rational analysis. So uh, clearly internally, they're probably looking at the you know the training, what's going on with the training, why they're getting so many injuries, the medical team, um, and even Milojevic has come out and said you know that. Uh, if Malmo wants to take another step, we must adjust a bit. We we still have Champions League games to play. And if we are to have any chance in the Champions League, we must be stronger. So um, th- there's clearly something going on. You know, there's a little bit of talks about uh, the high-intensity training sessions. There's some rumours that they've been made to do ridiculous sort of high-intensity sessions like the day before, get a couple of days before games. Um, and that intensity is kind of having an effect on the players. So all is not entirely well at Malmo at this moment in time. Just, I think they've got some tweaks tweaking to do to get back and and this run could continue because they've just got so many injuries right now uh you did mention some stats you wanted to talk about from that Stockholm derby so before we forget what was that in particular yeah it just um i just wanted to talk about because the stats were so contrasting in this game i mean aik clearly with penalties and everything like that, xg 2.44 versus hammerby's 1.94 but the possession was ridiculous. Hammerby had 72% possession in his game, Steve. That's a lot. 665 passes attempted, 601 completed, to AIK's 167 passes completed. I mean, you couldn't get more of a contrast, could you, in, in terms of team style? Um, it said a lot about the two teams, in my opinion. I think Hammerby are very much in this title race, I have to say. I think this could be the year that they challenge. I do worry about their propensity to go to places like sort of maybe Kalmar and lose. So, you know, Hammerby always have a bit of a reputation in, in Sweden as a bit of a choker and um, not really take, you know, 
AIK and Diff are the big two boys in Stockholm and Hammarby are kind of looked upon as a bit of a joke in a way from those two teams. Obviously, they would because of their rivalry, but I think that Marty Sifuentes is onto something here. And I think that although I, I like AIK for the title potentially, um, if Hammarby can keep this form up and keep their players, that they've shown that they can go toe to toe with anybody because, I mean, 72% possession is, is, is a joke. Mm. That is very high in a match like that, isn't it? For sure. So I I re, redo rates if went and it wouldn't surprise me if they went close this season. Now I'm just looking at our itinerary sheet and um, I feel like this could be a carbon copy of previous years, Jonathan, on the next topic of discussion. <laughs> Problems at IFK Gothenburg. Uh, this seems to crop up every single season, unfortunately. Um, and there are problems, aren't they? There. It's been a while since they've won a game of football. Yeah, they're not doing too well. Uh, Drew with Varberg boys this weekend. We, we talked about it in the weekend preview show. I was saying that Varberg winning is a bit like kind of uh, Morecambe beating Liverpool or something like that at Anfield. Um, you know, and they were heavily, obviously, favourites at the EF Corps, but I, I didn't really feel that they were guaranteed to win this game, and, and they didn't. Bit of a strange game. It got it got stopped for a long time because of, a, I think, like a... I don't really know exactly what happened, but some sort of loud bang uh, occurred during the match. Um, a shot was fired from outside the stadium, I believe. But I don't know if it was like a firework or a gun or, or whatever it was. Um, a photographer was actually injured by it. I think he burst his eardrums. It was that bad. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's had really bad uh, hearing damage from it, I think, just in terms of what's happening. You know, maybe he was quite close to it. To It, it says two photographers actually were, were injured as a result. Um I think someone threw either a flare or a banger or something out onto the pitch and it basically um, caused the game to be interrupted for a long time, which obviously didn't help the rhythm for EF Core or either team, really. Um, there was a comment after the game saying, in the future, maybe we will have to think about hearing protection for photographers. Um, we, they usually have it apparently for high-risk matches, but this was not considered a high-risk game. So, yeah, a bit weird. But, yeah, in terms of um, EF Core Yotaburg, I think, I think there's a police investigation going on into what happened. Obviously, it was held at their stadium, and just in general, Steve, they're they're not they're not firing or well, not literally firing on firing on all cylinders at the moment. Um, you know, they're looking a bit without to be a Sana. The controversy there, the manager falling out with um, players, uh, Mikistara Sana was missing again from this match. So it looks like maybe he might have even played his last game for the club. It's going to be him or the manager ultimately. So there are some issues at CF Core, and in terms of the league league table. You know, we did say that they might have a better season than, than expected, but they're currently 11th. So, you know, it's another sort of lower mid-table start for them. Yeah, I mean, uh, simple question. Is Mikel Stara the, the right man for EF Core, do you think, right now? I think if you were to ask a lot of EF Core fans, they would, they would say no. I think there's rising pressure on him. I think there's internal problems with the, with the, with the, the players. It's just, a, not a, it's just not a positive sign. Um, generally speaking, he's not the most attacking coach anyway. You know, they scored eight goals in eight games this season. They've got decent forwards. You know, Marcus Berg, arguably the best striker in the league. So I can't really accuse them of not having the players. But they're just not... Mika Star teams have never been hugely expansive or, you know, I remember when he was a Hacken. They were never really like a hugely attacking, entertaining side. He's very much uh, quite conservative manager. So I don't know if that really fits in line with the EFCOR fans. So is he the right man? I guess for now he is, but Long term, I think there's question marks, right? More and more question marks this season. They're down in 11th place, Elfsborg are 10th, 
another side kind of uh, mixed form this season. Um, you know, difficult to predict. Uh, we expected a little bit more from them. I know we've only had eight games, but um, what's your take on Elfsburg this season? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not massively impressed. I had them in fifth this st- start of the season um, in terms of my season prediction on the Elfsvenskan preview show. Uh, the media generally as well predicted in fifth. But like you say, they're way down there, aren't they? And uh, they've had a, a big defeat, really. I consider that a big defeat, uh, losing to Sirius away. Um, Sirius played quite well, I thought. Um, you know, I caught the first half of this game. And to be honest, in the first half, I thought Elspeth would, would score. They, they had the lion's share of kind of their possession. Um, they looked a little bit more threatening in wide areas, the likes of you know, uh, Johan Larsson. But then just the final ball is lacking. You know, they're kind of, they're not putting together things that well. And I think the other thing to mention on Elsbrook, Steve, is that I'm not sure they've actually got considered first team at the moment. I feel like um, Jimmy Tellin is kind of stram- scrambling for his best team. You know, they, they um, again, they kind of changed the forward line. This time they had uh, Sve- Sve good Johnson, who's, um, the, the you know, the Ida Goodjonsson's uh, son, uh, Andrejka and Jeppe Ockels up front. In previous games, they've, they've rotated it. Obviously, they've got Per Frick, they've got Rasmus Alm, Alm didn't even play in this game, obviously. You know, he scored a hat-trick against Degafors not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I don't think they've quite really figured out their first-choice team, but big shock, really, to lose this match. And 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 we have to also give a shout-out to Sirius. You know, they're, they're mid-table, eighth, big win. And um, I think their recruitment's been quite decent this season, actually. Siwan um, yeah. Kamba was really, really good. Uh, De Grassa, I quite like him. He's a, bit, he's a bit weak at times, I think. He gets a lot of injuries, but... Um, I think it's a good signing, obviously from, from the Netherlands. He used to be at EF Core. So um after you know, fair play to Tommy Vijo as well in goal. Ex next diff, he's he's been been really good. So uh yeah, fair play to Sirius, and this was a bit of a turn up for the books. Now down at the bottom of the table, um the rumor is that um the Degaforge uh team talk has been done for them recently by the comments you made on the NFP, John <laughs> <laughs> Since you called them disgraceful shocking the worst side you've ever seen in Alsvenskan. to be fair they did lose 6-0 after you said that but they they bounced back with two wins uh, down at the bottom of the table two uh, massive victories for them but uh, we're actually going to focus more on Sundsvall because they are desperately struggling aren't they yeah and um a fair play well played to Degafors if you listen to the weekend preview show I know we had some audio issues this week so apologies for that I um, had a bit of recording issues um but hopefully if you did manage to pick it up on Patreon You'll have heard me saying I think Degelhorst will win that game against Helsingborg. You know, I wasn't brave enough to tip it, but I did say I could see them winning it. Um, but yes, Sundsvall and even I can include Helsingborg in that. They're, they're struggling. Um, gives us a one win, seven defeats now, seven goals, twenty-two conceded. They're just really looking. You know, I said in in preseason I thought they had the makings of a decent side, and every other team, every other media prediction I saw had them bottom. I'm starting to understand maybe now why they have, you know, they were so people were so negative about them. Uh, minus 15 goal difference, which is the worst in the league comfortably. Um, they just look really weak. They, I can't, you know, North Shepherd beat them 5 1 this weekend. Um, they just look very weak defensively. And they've got decent players, you know. I like Saku Latupa. I think the problem they have, Steve, is like you say, defensively, you know, some of the players they sign in that defense. You know, the likes of Forrest Lasso, we joked about, the, the, you know, he's got a great name. But, you know, there's certain players in that team that, I, I guess, have they really got the balance right in, in defence? Not entirely sure. Obviously, Lasso hasn't played that much. But even even like Rasmus Linkus, he used to be at AIK. He's been, he's been quite poor this season. 
uh, you know, Blomqvist as well at the back, Lundstrom. They just they just look really, really easy to play through. Um, the home form isn't amazing either, so it's not like they can kind of rely on teams going north and struggling. Uh, AIK kind of dispatched them quite comfortably. Um, and other home games they've had as well, they've, they've not really, you know, Hammerby battered them. Um, even Degaforce beat them, you know, 3 2 in their in their ground. So, really worrying signs for Gibson at this moment in time. Something's going to need to change. I think, you know, you talked about obviously Odd uh, and uh, and obviously Christensen and those kind of teams. I think they're going to need to dip into this window in the coming um, transfer window. I, I don't think this current squad probably gets out of it. So, they've got a lot of work to do, I think. Joe Corona is looking quite good. Latupa, as I say, I like him. But apart from that, just they're very. Um, easy to play against. Why do you think, Jonathan, I mean, I was, we've talked about Norway Elite Serie in this season, how the newly promoted teams have done quite well. It tends to be a trend in Norway, certainly the first season they come up. But in Sweden, they always, it seems to be a big problem for teams that do get promoted. Even the ones that do survive, it seems to be a real struggle. Um, there seems to be this big gap between Super and and and, and, and Al at times. Might just be still early doors in the season, but the three teams that have come up are in the bottom four. And Degafors did obviously were third bottom uh, last year anyway, just avoided uh, danger, didn't they? So, what? Why do you think that is? Yeah, it's a great question, and we, you know, we, we consider it every year, don't we? And, mm. and you know, when you look at Helsingborg as well, they they've not had a good start. They've looked they've looked poor, and that's why, you know, I said it on the weekend preview show that uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they, if Degafors beat them just because of the fact that Degafors. They do have as bad as they've been. They have Svenskan experience. They're not terrible at home traditionally. You know, last season anyway, they were quite good at home. And I just felt like Helsingborg going there, they'd probably struggle. You know, I, I don't know if there's a bigger gap between, say, Obos to Superettan, but like you say, it just seems to be partly, partly I think that teams in Sweden tend to recruit from Superettan. So a lot of these teams can lose their better players. Um, but I do think there is a big gap, I have to say. You know, I, there's not many teams who come up and really do really well straight away. Ostersunds actually were one of the teams that bucked that trend a little bit, you know, that managed to come up and win the cup. But, you know, they had Graham Potter, who's a, gone on to prove himself as a really top manager. Um, other than that, you know, if you look at Helsingborg, for example, the, the manager now, he's accepted the criticism and said, you know, we have to do better. It looks like his job could even be potentially on the line if it, if it continues in this way. Um, a lot of criticism on him. Uh, on social media and things like that. So um, the play uh, and the other comment I have on that just finally, Steve, like the players, like I say, with Helsingborg, the ones, the players that come up and, and do well, you know, really wouldn't surprise me if someone like Taha Ali, for example, gets signed by a bigger club. You know, teams are already scouting some of their players, Helsingborg's best players, you know. Um, so that just adds to the kind of problems, isn't it? It's like you, you, if you're going to lose your better players, the budgets aren't great in Super Etten level, um, but they're not great at, Obos level either, so that is a bit of a conundrum to me. That, mm. that, that side of it, like, why is the Norwegian second division seem to be a little bit stronger, or is it that Elitisarian is maybe at the bottom end of it is generally weaker than North Svenskan? Bottom end. Of it. I yeah. think it's good debate. I mean, we'll have to we have a, an episode on that one day, shouldn't we? But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's difficult times for, and it's not easy after you get promoted. Let's let's first of all say that, and there have been some success stories. In terms of survival, Falkenberg, I think, spring to mind. But it's rare that anyone seems to come up from Sweden and just say randomly finishing mid-table very easily. I suppose in Norway, maybe there's been some higher-profile relegations 
before and hence promotions again so but uh yeah down the bottom it is a difficult times for gifts so anyway time's running out for this episode episode jonathan so we're gonna have to call it there uh it's been a pleasure as always my friend yep thanks join us next week we'll look at some of the other games coming up this weekend and of course we'll have our weekend show on patreon for those who are interested in it um so yeah thanks very much and um let's see how our teams can get on this coming weekend it's uh it's been an exciting season so far i have to say i've quite enjoyed it in both leagues you can follow us on twitter at nordic footpod you can follow myself steve wiss at me on soccer or where can we find you jonathan yep twitter at jf football f-u-t-b-o-l uh, or on you know tweet the nordic podcast i'm usually lingering around on it so yeah you can many ways to get hold of me if you if you want to ask him some questions we didn't get any specific <laughs> questions for uh for sweden we, we had one for norway from uh Andrew Sexton about Jack Wilshire. We'll have to ask uh, Henry about that another time. But yeah, let's uh, get some questions in for Jonathan. Really, make get some tough ones as well. But uh, until next time, then I'll uh, see you around, everyone. Take care, stay safe, and goodbye. Thanks all. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share on social media. Let everyone know. And I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Take care. Goodbye. <laughs>